out of Oklahoma City. You're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. They're talking about you, boy. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genrecast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we discuss the films that you will not discuss in a film studies course, but we want to apply film studies analysis to them anyway. This week's film in question is the movie Rounders. It is all about the theorem that concerns the imaginary number pi, and uh, we are very, very happy to be discussing this. Um, We have sort of a... uh, it's not a reunion because we've been together so often, but it is a uh, sort of a reunion by virtue of subtraction. We only have the original Good Trash Genre cast co-host crew around the table today. The OGs. Hey, we cut the dead weight. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's how you can tell it's an OG episode because, well, Alex and Caleb bring a different energy show to the show because they're both really nice, positive people. Yeah. The three of us are kind of salty. Yeah. And yeah. kindness is overrated. Yeah. We're, we're kind of mean. <laughs> It's a fact. If we were all cast in this film, we would all be playing Edward Norton. And uh, <laughs> no, Arthur would be uh, Teddy KGB. You and I would be playing Edward Norton. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. You'd be playing John Turturro because because you, you're kind of ethnically ambiguous. That's fair. I, I, I am those things. Yeah, I want to be called Kanish and I, the show. And I hoard cigarettes and wear uh, leather jackets. Also fact. accurate. <laughs> fact. So let's introduce the disembodied voices speaking directly to your brain via your magical generic mp3 playing device um we're waiting for that uh fruit company sponsorship but so we will not name them but to my left sir who are you i am arthur gordon and dalton would you like a cookie <laughs> yeah thank you very much to my right sir who are you my name is dalton stewart and in my club i will splash the pot whenever the fuck i want my name is dustin sells and uh hey dalton mm-hmm. are you satisfied because i can keep busting you up all night long <laughs> <laughs> I really was hoping that all three of us were going to go with the uh, Teddy KGB lines. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I was going uh, Matt Damon too. Teddy KGB. Yeah, so. I, knew, well, I knew. Yeah, but that's why I was, I was hoping you were going to go with a Teddy, a Teddy KGB too. Mister, no, I'm not going to no. do that. Mister, son of a bitch. No. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the movie Rounders to you tonight, dear listener, or whatever time of day you happen to be listening. We're recording at night because uh, that's when the fun happens, and uh, this, that's when the poker happens. That's exactly when the poker happens. And so to warn you, and in case this is your first uh, venture with the Good Trash Media. Network, Network, any of our shows, uh, the Good Trash Genre Cast, we avoid spoilers, the first portion of the show. And so what we'll do is we'll have a quick synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema. That's Arthur Gordon, if you're wondering. And then we will have our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. And then it's spoilers ahoy. And uh, we are going to get down to business, which will be analysis, because this ain't a review show, lo- y'all. This is an analysis show. Guys, guys, we got to keep this tight. I've got five days to produce 15,000 podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> that is... Is more accurate than you will ever know, listener. (laughs) Look at you, Arthur. 64 hours in, you already need a nap or something. (laughs) I'm good. That's pathetic. I'm good. And so, there you go. You've now been warned. Let's go ahead and give that synopsis from the voice of the cinema. Mr. Arthur Gordon, if you would, sir. A young man is a reformed gambler who must return to playing big stakes poker to help a friend pay off loan sharks. Uh, Okay, yeah. That's what happens. It's, It's kind of about poker. Yeah, I'd say so. So, well, there you go, dear listener. Now you know what the movie is about, if you have not seen the 1998 stellar classic, Rounders. Uh, That's a bit of a <laughs> hyperbole there. Uh, a little bit, you reckon? Yeah, uh-huh. a tiny bit. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and hear those thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. Uh, you say it's hyperbolic for me to say it's a classic, Dalton Stewart. So, therefore, defend yourself. Well, I mean, it's fine. Uh, so when we found out it was just going to be the three of us uh, getting together around the mics this week, um, Arthur and Dustin were both kind of out of pocket and uh, texted me and said, hey, find something on Netflix so we, that's you know easy for all of us to watch. So I went through my queue, and I was like, all right, it's the three original hosts. Let's get something kind of kind of bad, like no, nothing too good. Let's get something kind of bro-y since it's just a, you know, a reunion of sorts. Perhaps something fitting the mission of the good trash genre cast exactly. in the first place. We've yeah. been cheating a lot lately by a watching lot. good movies, uh, or if not even good movies, at least movies that are going to come up in film studies courses. Believe it or not, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies come up in film courses because they've had an indelible impact on the cinema of the 21st century. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, let's pick something that's definitely never, ever, ever going to come up, and it's kind of bro uh, And I narrowed it between a couple movies, but I saw Rounders and I was like, guys, this is perfect. Uh, and I was right. 
because it's a really broy movie. Uh, poor Gretchen Maul, uh, who is a great actress who's had a, a kind of weird career. She didn't really get a lot to do in the you know mid two thousand. She's kind of had a little bit of a comeback the last few years, but I like her a lot. She has nothing to do in this movie. Do you uh, know who I needed more of? Who'd you need more? more Teddy, f- more Famke Jansen. Yeah, that's Famke, right. yeah, Famke Jensen's. Awesome yeah. in this yeah. movie. On on the top. Yeah. yeah. And the five scenes she has, she's so cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish she was still acting. Uh, I mean, she is. I wish she was still getting work because she's the shit. I mean, she's a, she's just got a great presence. I just wish she'd return my phone calls. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen, buddy. Uh, but no, this is a fun... I mean, this is a poker player's poker movie because there is, this movie is full of lingo um, and insider baseball that... Um, the movie doesn't care to explain. It's like either you get these poker references or you don't. And I don't think your enjoyment of the movie is impacted by that because it does a pretty good job of letting... I mean, it explains how Texas Hold'em works. And that's really the only thing you have to know. And I think the movie is smart uh, in that it explains the things that you absolutely need to know to be able to follow the, the plot... Um, and otherwise, it's just you know fun Easter eggs for people who really like poker. There's about it. This movie is two hours long, and they could have easily trimmed twenty, maybe even thirty minutes out of it. Um, but it's got some really fun performances. Uh, his law professor, played by Martin Landau, is, is really fun. He's only got three or four scenes, but he's really got some cool moments. Overall, a, a perfectly fine movie. It, it's disposable. I mean, it's not a game changing film, but I thought it was a lot of fun. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what do you have to say in terms of a thumbs-up, thumbs-down review? I'd probably echo Dalton a lot. I think this is a a solid example of good trash and what we do here, what we should be doing here. Uh, It's fun. It's well-made. Solid cast. I like that this is a sports movie, uh, but they disguise that you know, with a lot of those noir tropes that kind of factor Mm -hmm. in there, uh, specifically the... uh, the voiceover, a lot of that kind of stuff, and the, yeah. the gritty uh, darkness of it. Ed Norton does a great job here as a worm and turning him into somebody that is extremely easy to hate. I like Totoro, uh, Martin Landau, uh, Famke Jensen, uh, but wish they had more to do, as Dalton mentioned. Mm. These guys are just kind of there to uh, move the story along. I'd trim, again, the, the runtime, I think you could trim some of the fat there and tighten up the narrative. I like the way the arc plays out with Damon and Norton's characters. I love John Malkovich here. I was just going to say, Arthur, that um, you made a point about Worm. He's easy to hate, but he also, Edward Norton does something really impressive where you get why Damon like, is so loyal to yeah. him. They do a good job of making making you understand what kind of friend Worm is. It's yeah. the kind of friend that even though he's a piece of shit to have around, you get why he doesn't want to yeah. cut him loose. Yeah. I think uh, John Malkovich here is having a blast. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> he, is just, he is just so much fun. And with a name like Teddy KGB, who wouldn't be having fun? Again, the biggest pitfall for me are those secondary characters not having anything to do. And mm-hmm. I think that really drags a lot of this out. That's the biggest uh, strike against it for me. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I agree. I find the film to be solid and entertaining to watch. I am always seduced by Matt Damon's magnetism and charisma on screen. Um, he's always a winner for me. Uh, all the other performances are also equally stellar. And what's great about this movie is there is a certain sort of um, type of movie that is um, vaguely educational. Mm-hmm. Um, you find this thinking with, about that, yeah. with Jaws, you know, where you learn some things about sharks. Where yeah. you in this film, you learn some things about poker. Now, to, to be to be fair, you know, you cannot have a really full, true to accurate, you know, sort of representation of playing poker because it's it's not as interesting. And, oh, it's boring, and it goes on for hours. Yeah. Exactly. And, and this movie does give you a little bit of that, of like letting you know the stamina involved in playing poker. But yeah, so they, they, they play up the tension and they do the things that they need to do with that. But, you know, I mean, if you're, you know, sort of an expert in poker, you would know that, you know, for instance, uh, what Matt Damon does at, at towards the end of the film is you don't fake that um, you're weak when you're strong because that's what rookies do. And uh, you actually do exactly what Teddy KGB does. He's probably got a set, which is well, he's got two cards he's holding mm-hmm. and one card in the community pot. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you play have, it strong yeah. as you are strong uh, in that in that sort of case. And so, y- yeah, that it wouldn't have worked out quite that way if you were playing poker, um, you know, specifically. Um, and, and you don't ever, 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 ever give away when you know somebody's tell. I mean, you just don't do it. Well, and then, and no, they no. make a point the, of it's it. A fun, yeah. It's a really cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. And Damon points it out that he, he knows he's got him on the ropes. It's kind of like he's, uh, he's Muhammad ali him a little bit where he's, he's playing with him at this point. Where now that he knows he can beat him, he's, he's toying with him. Well, I think it's a cool moment. But uh, a poker player at that level wouldn't have that sort of as idiosyncratic of a tell. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that specific and easy to spot. Yeah, it just wouldn't happen. But that's 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 sort of beside the point. That's that's one of those things where nerds push up their glasses and and say what they're going to say about whatever they're going to say. Actually, yeah. And, but so it, it's fine. And, and again, it is. But the thing is, the, the only play you could have made in that particular case.
case is that Johnny Chan didn't do anything all that fantastic or um, amazing in the 88 World Series of Poker. It, it's a moment where both of them had to do exactly what they were doing. It's just that he happened to have the hand that won. It wasn't, it wasn't that phenomenal of a, of a read game. But Now, the cool moment is the, the fictionalized moment. Yes. And, you know, this isn't a spoiler. Matt yeah. Damon talks about why he's confident. It's because he beat Teddy Chan in a hand, Johnny Chan, in a hand of poker at uh, the Taj in, in mm-hmm. Atlantic City. He beat him. He, he bluffed him. And it's it's a fun moment in the movie, um, but th- I think that's one of my actually my favorite scenes is, is that scene of like real serious bluffing. Yeah, uh, that you talk that, and you've talked a little bit about that, Dustin, about the portrayal of bluffing in this film. Yeah, and it, I mean it, it's close enough. It, gi- it again it, it gives uh, the novice or the unexperienced, uninitiated, an experience and an education in the thing, and it is enough that's accurate that it does not entirely offend those who um, know more about it. And so that it's a really good balance of that sort of. Again, educational film where you're learning something about a world in which you're not a part of, uh, typically as a viewer. And so I find that to be very, very interesting. Not that I know anything. Um, Does this movie make you guys want to play cards? A little bit. Yeah, okay. I'm just I, I, sure I, was... I really consider bringing a deck out tonight. Yeah, honestly. I would I would play. I've got all my stuff, yeah. Yeah. Really? I got my poker set. All right. Well, we know what's happening after the show. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Thank you so much for those thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. We like this movie. We are a generally biased pro. But, guys, we got to look at our watches right now because I realize it's time to play the game. Get up. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> This week's game is not Texas Hold'em, nor is it Chicago Low, nor is it... Chicago High. Chicago High, nor is it... Seven Cards Dead. Nor is it Horse... Blackjack. Blackjack? Five Card Draw. Black... Okay. Old Maid. (laughs) (laughs) No, this week's game is our favorite actors you would like to play poker with. Uh, That's right. Actors you'd like to play poker with. Brought to you by Rounders. Rounders. Did you know that because of this movie, Matt Damon played a hand of cards or two at the World Championships of Poker? I, I did not. Yeah, apparently I w- he became. I don't know if it was before or after this movie. Apparently he became quite good at poker for uh, and was playing. Awesome. Yeah, like charity uh, hands and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I struggled mightily to say the name of this game because I did not want to end my sentence in a preposition, but I could not seem to. Oh, avoid that's such it. a over yourself, PhD. That's such a bullshit rule. Did you ever see? Did you ever watch Celebrity Poker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. a couple of times. Good yeah. stuff. It's it's fun. It's yeah, fun it to is. see characters uh, like actors that you you're fans of like shit talk each other. Yeah, I remember David Cross on there a lot. So, Mr. Arthur Gordon, who do you want to play poker with? All right, I got my table. I want to sit down with the man, Kurt Russell. Oh, good answer. Because I think he'd be a lot of fun. Just a good old boy. Just. Kick back, play some cards, have some fun, and uh, you know, just have a good time. And I think if you want to have some, you know, good old boys there, you got to have Matthew McConaughey, dude. Yeah, yes, right. I mean that. Right he's gonna, he's gonna come, some trouble. Right, he's there. gonna come back up in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so those two, I'd start off with. And I don't want to be a sausage fest. I want some. I want some lovely ladies at the table. I want Scarlett Johansson to sit in with us. Have some fun. She's got that that smoky voice. Makes me yeah. think she plays cards. I, yeah. I know that's like a generalization based on somebody's voice, but I, I don't know. That's, I'll go with it. That's a casino that's a fantasy voice, I'll live in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, I want Ryan Reynolds at the table for jokes because it'd be enough. funny. Yeah, yeah, I like just, that. Just sit around, shoot the breeze, play some play some cards, lose a, lose a lot of money I don't have to a bunch of rich people. I'm I'm on board. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Who do you want to play cards with? Well, uh, I thought about, I went with living and dead actors, uh, and I tried to think of uh, people who seem like they play cards, or I I knew played cards. Actually, uh, David Cross is at my table, um, because I knew that, I remembered that he he played cards. Uh, uh, Joe Pantheliano I also want, because I'm pretty sure I saw him on, like, Celebrity Poker one time. Uh, I also want McConaughey, but I want him to to bring his uh, his good buddy, (laughs) the wild man, classic, classic wood man. Oh, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> ever, he called him that in an interview one time. He goes, that sounds just like a Woodman. Classic wild man. Yeah. So I want McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. Uh, I got to yeah. have Paul Newman. Uh, oh, yeah. I got to yeah. have Paul. Yeah. Uh, I, want, I want Nicholson. I want Jack at the table. Jack <laughs> that would like, be a table yeah. to be at. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. But I definitely, I was trying to, I want uh, Janine Garofalo. I feel like I remember her being on Celebrity Poker, yeah. uh, and I feel like she would uh, be cutting through the bullshit a lot. I, yeah. I just, I, and she strikes me as a card player. I don't, I don't know what that is. Uh, You're making a lot of generalizations tonight. Yeah, so okay. I don't know. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez, she's into like 
Vegas thing. She's into MMA. I feel like she probably plays cards. <laughs> yeah, she, she's she's into like broy things for lack yeah. of a better word. I feel like she probably plays. Um, so that's my table uh, as of right now. I could probably add a dozen more people though. That'd be a fun table, right? I want to be with Nicholson. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. He's just smoking cigars. Got that grin on. The glasses. <laughs> He's got his sunglasses on. You know he does. Oh, you know he does. He never <laughs> takes them off. He's definitely gonna take them off at the fucking table. <laughs> well, Dustin, what would who who would uh, grace your poker table? Well, so I have a handful of hobbies, and uh, not only is one of them poker, but one of them's resurrection. And uh, so I, you also picked up. Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch! Are you going to say Humphrey Bogart? I am going to say Humphrey. Fuck! Bogart. I should. Oh, I just yeah. thought of that. I just yeah. thought about it. I was Casablanca. About it. Yeah, I was thinking Humphrey it. Bogart. I have one living pick though. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, and I thought about Downey. I yeah. thought that'd be. Does fun. Does Downey play cards? I, I don't know. Like it just seems like it'd be fun to hang out yeah. with. Yeah. Though. Yeah. He's a black belt in kung fu. Wouldn't surprise what? me. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's part of what got him through uh, his recovery. That's awesome. That's that is good stuff. So I got Humphrey. I got uh, Robert Downey Jr. I've got Ava Garner. I've got Lana Turner. Oh man, and, oh, yeah. Uh, and I've got uh, I've got uh, Cary Grant. Oh, okay. And Judy. And and I got James Coburn. Uh, from Maverick fame. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. Back yeah, well, because you don't want to have Mel Gibson in 1988. <laughs> I, want, I want like pre crazy Gibson, and I don't really care to have James Garner either. I mean, he's all right. Yeah. I, was, I was wondering what's wrong with Garner. He's okay. You could have Hackman at the table too. Gene Hackman would be fun. Oh yeah. yeah. So uh, that would be uh, my table, which is again the Resurrection Machine table. <laughs> God, this would be a fun. You those know, would those, be some fun nights. Those yeah. guys got bank, you know. I know. Oh, just yeah. ha- we'll just have all of these people and all the ones we didn't think of, like at a couple, like five or six tables, just kind of rotating. Yeah, just tournament style. Yeah. Yeah, make, Last make that movie now. Oh, <laughs> so cool. <laughs> too. Dear listener, we'd love to hear who your selections are for your poker table of famous celebrities. And so uh, please uh, let us know that via those magical means that we all know as social media. So we need to move on, though, as I realize I think it's time to get down to business. Now it's time for what you've tuned in for in the first place, dear listener. That's right. We're going to bring you some analysis to the film Rounders. And I'm so excited to be doing this partially because it is bringing film studies analysis to a film that you will never, this will never come up in a syllabus. Nope. It's, it's, it's nope. too unremarkable. But it's interesting nonetheless. I go to you first, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What analysis do you bring? I want to talk about Rounders' uh, potential status as what well. it could be a cult film. I think it hits several of those markers, and I think that uh, it would be a prime candidate for such a status. Uh, I want to talk about a variation on some stuff I've talked about before in regards to uh, Justin Smith uh, and his article on British cult cinema. Um, and I've talked about that before, I know, on the Crow episode, and I believe one other time. Um, but I feel like there are a couple of attributes that set Rounders off as a cult film. In in the article British Cult Cinema, Justin Smith highlights several markers who identify cult films properly, uh, speaking to performance, social taboos and locations, response and reception. And I'm not saying Rounders has you know the same cult appeal as something like The Crow, just to clarify. But I do think it shows markers that it could be a cult film. And I think it has a very specific fan base that loves this film. As Dalton mentioned, he's talked to a guest who really loves this movie because of his background in poker and how this film portrays that. I used to, uh, when I waited tables, I had a manager who had previously played. I mean, I've talked to all the people I know that have played high-stakes poker really like this movie. Yeah, same here. Um, And the first reason for this is this is a film about playing poker, designed for poker players, I think. Uh, As Dalton mentioned in his review, there's a lot of that kind of set up to explain what Hold'em is. But there's also those kind of Easter eggs, as he mentioned, the different terms that they use and things of that nature. Uh, if you ask most diehard players, as Dalton mentioned, they've probably seen this movie and will herald it as great because of the respect that it pays to the game. And there are a number of sequences within the film that play as introductory text to people who have never played. Uh, what I greatly appreciate about this film is that it takes a standard sports film, as I mentioned in my review, and it does play like a sports film. We have montages and we have a lot of those kind of same setups and we have an underdog type of story playing out through the arc. And so it takes that and then disguises it in that noir uh, setup. And this blending of genre, I think, also lends credence to Rounders' case as a cult film. I think the subversion of a classic genre tropes in the marriage with noir is what adds intrigue to Rounders. It makes the film look, quote, cool and helps it stand out. The seedy underbelly that we are given here, the clubs, the back rooms, the underground areas, grandma's weird business that he (laughs) runs with all the prostitutes in it. 
It's not a weird business. It's a prostitution <laughs> ring. He's a pimp. <laughs> but he's like housed in like a printing shop or something. Oh, yeah, he is. It's, yeah, a, it's a weird yeah, location yeah, he's got. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Um, all these kind of seedy places, you know, they kind of lend into uh, uh, Smith's discussion of exploited social taboos and locations and areas. Uh, these characters go into places we normally wouldn't go into. Uh, we're Well, maybe Dustin. Uh, we are able to live through them and do things we normally <laughs> don't get to do by following them. Uh, this, again, ties back into Smith's writing and his discussion of With Nail and I. Our leads there aren't traditionally good guys, but their rebellious attitude, their desire to go out for what they want, presents an attraction of viewers, primarily one might consider male audiences. Uh, Dalton may speak to the broy nature of this film, and it certainly is a broy movie. Oh, absolutely, Arthur. Yeah, there's some really interesting things about male friendship in this movie that I found fascinating, and I think there's some. Uh, uh, you, you could definitely read some some homoeroticism between uh, Matt Damon and um, Edward Norton in this film. Uh, and one of the things that I find really interesting is the portrayal of an abusive relationship. Uh, because Worm takes full financial and emotional advantage of Matt Damon. I mean, he he gets, uh, I can't think of Matt Damon's character, I think it's Mike. 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 He gets Mike to throw away his entire life, basically. You know, Mike yeah. has gone on the straight yeah. and narrow. He's, he's got a girl who, he, a girlfriend he really cares about. You know, he's trying to pursue this this uh, this career in law. Uh, but between Worm's goading and a, a speech about following your passions from his professor, he decides to throw his entire life away. Yeah. Uh, but in the Deuces. process, he kicks Worm to the curb. And it's yeah. one of my favorite things about this movie, and I didn't want to mention it before we got into spoilers, is that he completely breaks up with Worm. Worm's not in the last yeah. 20, 25 minutes of this movie. Yeah, I he love says, how they, they treat that arc. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. I think mm-hmm. I think most movies would have had a reconciliation yep. either with Worm or with Gretchen Maul's character. Yep. This has neither. He okay. cuts both of them loose. And with Gretchen Maul, it's, it's a little bit more tragic. Uh, well, it's... I should think the be. movie, it should be. Yeah. The doors open a little bit, though, with that call me sometime if you need a lawyer. But <laughs> I will. He's yeah. reconciling with his dream to go to Vegas. Exactly. Yeah. That's the only thing he's reconciling with. And I'm going to talk about the, a little bit of my analysis, no. but it, it's I really am fascinated by the treatment of his relationship with Worm, where he finally says, I can't, I can't fucking, it's, it's really an interesting, you know, he, he refuses to be an enabler. I mean, Worm is a gambling addict. Yeah. And he, you know, Damon is not. Damon likes the thrill, but I think you could hardly call him an addict. Uh, Worm yeah. is a compulsive gambler and a compulsive cheat and liar. Uh, and, and finally, the decision for him to cut him loose and not be an enabler and not be a support system for him, I think is a really fascinating one. It's one you don't, it's kind of a dark choice that's yeah. glossed over that I don't think most movies would have made. I agree. I, I, from narrative structure, I really do appreciate that, that decision. Uh, and similarly, we are faced with characters of familiar standing here. Damon's character, Mike, is very relatable. Uh, he has a dream, he has ambitions, something he's good at. He's a blue-collar everyman uh, who's trying to do his best to advance in his place in life. We learned that he went to prep school, but it was because his father was the custodian, mm-hmm. and so he's had to and work Worm's for the And dad was a groundskeeper. Yeah, and so these two guys have grown up together, and they've had to work for everything. They've, well, Mike's probably worked more than Worm. Worm has gone <laughs> almost everything he's got. Uh, but there's that kind of relatableness to those two characters. And there is a certain charm to Worm. It's what keeps him out of trouble, at least for a while. And as Dalton mentioned, that's why we, you know, there's that friendship and why Damon's wanting to protect him, kind of that brotherly role. Um, his edginess brings us in, even though we know he's not good. Uh, we kind of want him around to see what will happen. He's kind of a loose cannon. He's that uh, scumbag friend. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite scenes is the uh, when they go to the municipal... The municipal Larry game, yeah, where they go to like the Elk Lodge yeah. with the yes. with the cops. Uh, I love that scene. I with Angel it. from Dexter. Yeah. I was just about yeah. to say that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a couple of other people I recognized in there, yeah. but yeah, that's a really cool, a really cool scene. Yeah, so Worm brings that kind of unpredictable nature to the film, and I enjoy that a lot. Uh, the dynamic between the two is the B plot, which drives much of this film, and it is through this friendship and the camaraderie developed around the poker table that I think many people connect with this film. Oh, which takes us into the reception response section that Justin Smith talks about. Uh, there is something about this film, especially amongst the diehard fans, that makes him want to tell people about it. This movie was recommended to me in college by a friend who loved poker and thus this film. Uh, it became a thing in our dorm to watch rounders and play poker. And after I got into it, I began showing it to my friends. And I think that is one of the strongest markers of a film, of, especially of cult status, is it pulls you in and has you telling everyone you know about it. And it impacts the things that you do. We played poker a lot uh, the year this was introduced into our dorm. Uh, rounders provides a way for people to connect and bond over a subject. And I think that's what all of the best cult films do. Excellent analysis, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I appreciate it very much. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what analysis of the bro nature do you bring? Well, uh, bro in only the sense that uh, I want to talk a little bit about the qualities uh, that society values as masculine. 
and, and that's the, the nature of ambition, but also self-destruction. Uh, I think Worm and, and Matt Damon, uh, again, I'm just going to keep calling Michael uh, Matt Damon. Yeah, that's uh, fair. Let's, Norton and Damon, uh, their characters present... Uh, he's playing Matt Damon. Yeah, he's not really doing a lot of heavy lifting in terms of the acting here. Uh, he's fine. He's very charming, but he's not Don't, doing any heavy lifting. It's not his fault. <laughs> Fuck That's you, man. Not, not you. Fault. Don't say... Fuck you, man. There's that moment when his nose is all bloody. He's absolutely doing the same <laughs> Matt Damon from The Departed, right? You know, this is funny. You know, it looked exactly like the same Oh, my face. God, you're right. It's so the same thing. That's so yeah. funny. You're right. Um, but I, I want to talk about uh, Damon and Norton as kind of flip sides of the same coin. Um, Damon is ambitious. Uh, let's get that straight. Uh, John Turturro, throughout this movie, urges caution several times. Uh, and when he realizes that Damon refuses to be cautious, um, he's like, I, I, he, he refuses to help him, even though he probably could. He probably has the money to get Damon out of this jam. But he basically says, nope, I, I've tried to bail you out of your mistakes before, and I'm not going to do it again. He does the same thing that Damon does to Norton, where he says, I'm not going to enable you. The difference between Damon and Norton is, as I mentioned when uh, I I'd cut in with Arthur for a little bit, uh, is that Norton is self-destructive. Norton is an addict. Uh, he, he is a gambling addict in this film. Uh, but more uh, specifically, he's, a, he's not a functioning addict. He is a self-destruct, compulsively self-destructive addict. Uh, he is trying to get himself killed, I think. Um, he refuses to live a life on the grid. I mean, it's very similar to... Uh, you know, portrayals of drug addicts and addicts in my life that I have known that, uh, you know, both functioning and otherwise, um, there, there is a specific type of addict, regardless of the compulsion, that chooses the, the life that, you know, doesn't, even if, you know, subconsciously or even in their heart of hearts has a desire to change behaviors, uh, kind of relishes uh, being boisterous and the refusal to live within the bounds of uh, norm society. Um, and, and I think that makes Norton's character of Worm really interesting, this refusal to play by the rules. And not even the rules of the subculture he's chosen, uh, because gambling is frowned, or cheating is frowned upon in these circles they play in. Uh, and Norton It's ref- more than frowned upon. Yeah, you get killed for it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the the... the the professional rounders that we see, John Turturro, Funke Jensen, um, and Matt Damon, and the, the others we see, they don't cheat. They play straight-up cards. Now, Damon knows how to cheat. Uh, him and uh, Worm have done it together many times. Um, but I think Damon is interesting in that he wants to pursue, pursue this noble path of it. Um, for him, it's not a compulsion. For him, it is a, a, an ambition to play in the World Series of Poker. That is what it is about. And I think... It's very interesting. It actually reminds me of Whiplash a little bit. Uh, this film is not nearly as dark as that film, uh, but Whiplash, uh, one of my favorite films from 2015, uh, deals a lot with ambition as something that's going to destroy your life. Even if you become somebody memorable, somebody whose name rings out, you will destroy your closest relationships in that pursuit. Uh, you will have to sacrifice everything to do that. Uh, and that's something I find very interesting is this this portrayal of the flip sides of that. Uh, ambition masquerading as uh, <clears throat> uh, self-destruction masquerading as ambition in the case of Edward Norton's character um, and ambition as self-destructive in the case of Matt Damon's character. And, and those are two um, you know, flip sides of the same coin, as I said, that I find very fascinating in general. But in particular, I really uh, was um, struck by how they're portrayed in this film. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Now, um, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, about a comment made by Roger Ebert in his review of the film uh, when it first came out. He talked about how it at times looks like a film noir, but it does not feel like a film noir. I'd say that's definitely true. And, and it even acts like a film noir at times. At times. And I want to interrogate that a little bit and, and explain what's I, what I assume was going on in Roger Ebert's mind, um, at least what's going on in my mind. Because there is a very real sense in which this film um, feels much like uh, The Asphalt Jungle, with starring, starring Sterling Hayden and, uh, and other films noir. But um, what, what the film does is it uses the, the look of noir We've got our wet streets, we've got our New York lights, City. we've got our grittiness, we've got our seedy locations, we've got our gangsters, we've got our, uh, you know, man trying very hard to sort of make things right in what seems like an impossible situation. We have all of those sort of things going on, but the film, as it resolves itself, uh, it resolves itself, he wins, and he goes on to Las Vegas. A film noir does not end this way. 
No, people are dead. People are dead. It ends badly. You lose the girl. You lose everything. Well, I think Worm's movie probably is a film noir. I think Worm dies probably. Probably, probably fair. And also, if not, if not within the course of time presented in this film, I would say within five years. Yeah, and he does lose the girl in Gretchen Maul's character. I mean that 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 does sort of go on, but it seems to be almost a sidelight because he's really again, as Arthur mentioned earlier, he's achieved his dream. The reconciliation that happens is his dream of going on to the World Series of Poker, and so it has this very very positive edge to it. Um, What film noir does at its best is it interrogates the American dream, and the film almost does that. We have the situation where we have this working class kid who's trying to work his way to the top. The people who have the money have the power. They have the good games and they have the money to spend. And this guy is doing everything he can to get the money from them. Well, and they have ambition. And they have ambition, right? Yeah, which I, I, I'm, I'm glad you're talking about this because I think it does tail a little bit with what I was talking about. I, I think it does. I think it does. And he's, he's trying to make his way back to the top. He's not only trying to make his way back to the top, he's trying to find some way uh, to uh, get further ahead. Now, we have Kanish's character mm-hmm. who is using poker playing as a way to pay the bills. And even though Kanish is definitely winning at the game, it's not enough for Matt Damon. He, he sees all the angles but doesn't have the ball to play any of them. It's something that uh, Worm says about him, but then Damon says to Kanish. Right. And John Steinbeck once said, the problem with socialism in America, it, the reason why it will never take hold, is because Americans do not consider themselves poor or they consider themselves working class. They consider themselves as temporary inconvenience millionaires. And um, <laughs> Steinbeck I, was so fucking smart. He was. And, and so what what happens then is, is he's just trying to take hold of the American dream. It's not about luck. It's about skill. It's about him being able to pull himself up by his bootstraps and make his way forward in this. And the film does a weird thing where it reinforces that vision mm-hmm. unlike a typical film noir which is much more marxist in its vision in that if you try to play the game you're going to end up losing because the powers that be hold too much power and you're never going to find a way to make yourself you know be able to get ahead well in a film noir the the character who is trying to get out of a seedy life and then goes back in for whatever reason is usually punished for that decision correct and in this film matt damon is rewarded for his decision to, to dip his toes back into this this world that he tried to leave yeah not not only does he manage to you know earn the money back you know in the in the in the high stakes he, poker not, game. Yeah, not only does he save his life he comes out with a profit yeah he, he gets all the money back he lost yeah he's, he's he's definitely got you know three high lives or whatever the, the weird name three is. stacks of high society Three stacks of high society, which I, is bizarre. I thought it was kind of a fun thing to say. Yeah, uh, so he, you know, he ends up, you know, back where he was when he lost his shirt to uh, Teddy KGB. Old Teddy KGB, <laughs> fucking that accent. Great name. That accent is so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he threw Johnny Rocky Horror out of a window. What? <laughs> I'm just saying, like these gangster nick gang. It's like it's like a pirate club with yeah. all their pirate nicknames. Gur, gur, arg. But this film does not. Finalize or sort of recapitulate that which is neo noir, and it, it tries very hard to sort of stay close to that, but but it fails to do so. And so, what you're seeing here when you think about noir stylistics, it definitely has that going on. But noir stylistics are more than merely just a way of angling the camera or using a particular uh, level of lighting when you're shooting a shot. It is about, to an extent, ideology and modernism and a critique of contemporary American culture, which this film really in, in in a great many ways, fails to do. What it does is it gives the exemplar story. It gives the example of the one person who manages to make it, rather than the everyman story that it should be, the everyman story that the film noir is about, the everyman who does not make it, who ends up you know, running a dry cleaner for the rest of his life. And uh, so that's, I guess, a, a failing in this film's attempt to be a film noir, but it's absolutely successful in this film's ability to, um, I don't know, promote the sport of playing poker and you know ends up resulting in this massive sort of um, burgeoning push in the popularity of poker uh espn begins to cover this much more um you know uh it it was a weird flash in the pan uh moment in uh, american society Yeah. yeah so there's where this film relates to uh that style of styles uh film noir thank you dear co-host for that excellent bit of analysis uh i appreciate it all very very much is that like the King of Kings is the style of styles? Phil Noir? <laughs> yeah. It is the style of styles, just like the King, King of Kings, Kings. <laughs> is the King of Kings. Yes, correct. Um, also, you know, when I was in Shiva school, I also had a moment where I realized I needed to do something else, and I was very, very moved by Martin Landau's uh, little speech there. But I digress at this point. Thank you again for that spot-on analysis, guys. I appreciate it all very, 
very much. Let's move on, though, to the point of our show where we make a verdict, where we render a verdict, and we relegate this film to the shelf or into the trash, and then we recommend our else's or instead's. I go to you first, Dalton Stewart. What do you say? Shelf or trash, else or instead? I think this is definitely shelfable. There's not a lot of movies where cards are the focus, and I think if only for that, uh, I think it's fun to keep around. Yeah. Uh, and again, it, it's fun to see Norton and um, Damon before they were household names. It's always fun to see uh, John Malkovich chewing the scenery like a motherfucker. Um, and honestly, I love John Turturro in this movie. I love John Turturro in everything, but it's a very different John Turturro yeah. performance um, and got me excited for the... He's up- really subdued. Yeah, he's, he's got this show coming out, this miniseries that he's going to be in for HBO called The Night Of, where he's playing like a gangster of some kind. Um, he, he actually replaced Gandolfini, uh, sadly. It was a production mm-hmm. when Gandolfini yeah. passed away. Uh, but it got me really excited for that because he is playing this very subdued uh, character that you don't get to see him, that I don't think he gets to play a lot. Yeah. So if only for that, I say you shelf this. Uh, pairing with it, uh, John Dahl is not a prolific filmmaker he's actually a very prolific tv director the director of this yep. film uh he's directed episodes of some of my favorite shows justified uh the americans uh, hannibal um so he's he's working a lot he he is directing a shitload of television he did like six episodes of justified but i would like to recommend uh you know just to, if you would like to know more about john Dahl, i recommend you check out a, a film he did shortly after this called uh Joyride with Paul Walker, uh, rest in peace, and Steve Zahn, and um, oh, Lily Sobieski. It was Lily Sobieski. That's right. I was like, I said, Mia Safari. There's there's about four '90s it girls that didn't really go anywhere. Yep. Uh, I mean, I like I miss Lily Sobieski. Too. I do too. I'm Big crush on her back then. Oh, did you really? The Glass House. Yeah, she's got a fun name. Uh, but anyway, it, it's a it's basically Duel, um, very similar to yeah. to that film from Steven yeah. Spielberg, um, and very similar. In nature, something like uh, well, uh, Silence of the Lambs, which is fitting because the voice of the antagonist in this film is Ted Levine. Uh, it's all about Paul Walker and Lily Sobieski and uh, Steve Zahn uh, running away from an evil trucker uh, who uh, taunts them over the CB radio, voiced by Ted Levine. It's a fun little thriller. I haven't seen it in a couple of years, so it's probably I'm curious how well it holds up. But I think it's definitely a, a fun movie and be fun pairing with this. Uh, I'd also like to recommend my favorite uh, Hammy. Uh, John Malkovich performances uh, in the line of fire with Clint Eastwood, where he makes a wooden gun to kill the president uh, and where he plays Osborne Cox in the Coen brothers film burn after reading where he mispronounces memoir, or I should say uh, pompously pronounces memoir, uh, uh, my memoir. (laughs) Uh, It's so great. I love, uh, we were talking about this before we recorded. Uh, I get so annoyed when uh, actors chew the scenery most of the time. I hate, 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 hate it when Anthony Hopkins does it. I fucking love Malkovich chewing the scenery. It's so yeah. fun. Oh, he's so fun. Him and Nicholson get a pass, I think, on that whole thing. Oh, yeah, they're, they're allowed At to all do times. it. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say memoir again. <laughs> That's it. Those are my uh, my recommendations to pair okay, with this Okay, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, Shelf or Trash, Elsewhere Instead. I'm going to put it on the shelf. It's actually on the shelf. Uh, the packaging is kind of fun because the DVD looks like a poker trip. Oh, that's cool. And uh, many for many of the same reasons Dalton said. Also, there's some sentimental value there uh, for me personally. Uh, and with it, I think you watch uh, either Tombstone or Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, check either of those out or both if you've got time. Uh, check out Primal Fear from around the same time, a couple years earlier, I think. Yes. Uh, with a very young Ed Norton. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, yeah, with him in gear. Yeah. Yeah, we, we talked about that's come up on the show before. Yeah, we've talked about it. We've never done it, but we've talked God, about it. We should it. watch we, we that should do movie. It, yeah. yeah, it's going to blow Caleb and Alex's minds because I don't think <laughs> they've ever seen it. It's got a good I just watched it last year, I think. It holds up yeah, well. I liked yeah. it a lot. I like those kind of, I like, yeah, it's in my will. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun legal drama. And then watch, for more Malkovich, you got to watch Being John Malkovich, yeah. obviously. You better believe it. And then uh, you wrap everything up with, I think, Casino Royale. I think it's a fun, fun wrap up there. Very good, Bye. very good. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton. <laughs> Mr. I said Dalton Stewart because you like chimed in with the Foley sound. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Arthur, you, okay, it is like the old days. Isn't yeah, it? I've got. Well, I, I keep it tight with this. Shut up, you knew Dalton. It was, you, you knew it was like the old days when he talked about one thing so he could talk about something I else. I better believe right. it. It did happen. <laughs> well, I've got, I don't, I don't have board. time to fuck around on a full table anymore, but now, now there's the three of us. we got time for. I'll cut it all out anyway, so let him have You son of a bitch, don't you do it. <laughs> Oh, I just want a nap. Okay, so what I'm going to say... Four hours later. Is, I'm going to say trash. I, I think the movie's fine. I think it's good, but I don't think it's worth owning. I think it's worth I, I catching. I think that's fair. 
and worth seeing, but it's not bad in any way. Um, I also want yours is not an enthusiastic trashing. Mine was not an enthusiastic shelving. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, if it's all on, watch it. But you know, whatever. Um, I think as far as uh, films of a, a film noir aspect, I think Asphalt Jungle is a very good place to go uh, with this particular film. Um, I also want to recommend Tombstone, as was already mentioned mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the show. Uh, for John Malkovich scenery chewing, though. I, I love his role as Cyrus the Virus in Con Air. Hell yes. Yeah, it's so much. Hell it, yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, the rage yep. in the cage has to happen at some <laughs> point. And so I have to mention that as well. What's your, uh, what's your card movie to watch instead of this? My, well, Tombstone. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. There's only a few card scenes in there, though. But they're good. That must That's be, true. That must be a peach of a hand. <laughs> well, I'm your Huckleberry. No, I'm your uh, Huckleberry. Look, darling, an educated man. <laughs> now I really hate him. <laughs> So uh, there you go. Um, that's our picks, dear listener. We'd love to hear what your picks are. And you can give us those picks via those magical means that we all know as social media. Arthur Gordon, do you know anything about social media means by which the conversation could be held? Yeah, you can keep up with us in a few places. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash good trash media. Click that like button. Our followers are growing by the day, and we really appreciate that. So, you know, drink the Kool-Aid. We, you know, we would appreciate it. You can also find us at the source of all of our content, that is GoodTrashMedia.com, where you can find all of our shows, articles, essays written by many of us, uh, and that is a great time. You can comment there as well, and we greatly appreciate all of that feedback. And finally, we can't do this without the support of listeners such as yourselves, and we have had so many new Patreons over the last few weeks since the relaunch of this, the uh, Patreon.com uh, forward slash GTM, and so if you are feeling... Uh, Froggy, you can go over there and jump, hit that donate button. Uh, you get some cool swag, some cool uh, extras uh, that you can unlock that way. And we just really appreciate all of the love that you guys have shown us on Patreon.com. And that's Patreon.com forward slash GTM. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, is there another means of media by which conversations could be held? Well, there most certainly is, Dustin. You can find uh, Good Trash Media on Twitter at good underscore trash. You know, once upon a time, uh, we used to read all of our Twitter feedback. It has gotten to the point where we can't do it anymore. True, uh, it would it would take up too much time each show because we yeah. we do have uh, we we've gotten to where we have we have a healthy rapport with some of our core fan base. Uh, we we get a lot of love uh, on on our shows. So you know, uh, maybe someday we'll set aside time to, to do a mailbag episode. I'm convinced we haven't made it uh, until somebody like I don't know says something really heinous like says they're going to murder us or calls me calls me or Dustin a little. I will post Dustin's address on the Twitter. <laughs> Don't do that. He has matter. children. Nobody cares uh, about but me. But no, I'm convinced we haven't made it until somebody calls me or Dustin a liberal cuck uh, or some other such nonsense like that. So uh, keep following us, even if it's only to uh, defame, uh, defame us, because I'm game for it. So again, if you are interested in showing us some love or telling us uh, that you're going to come to our houses and uh, murder us, uh, that's twitter.com. What? Sorry, shut up. That's on Twitter at good underscore trash. Thank you very much for that. Mr. Dalton Stewart, we're all about the conversation, and we're all about the retro nostalgia show this week because we have the original crew together. And you know what? I think it's time to talk about what's got us fired up this week in pop culture. Oh, no. It was always burning since the world's been turning. We didn't start the fire. Yeah. Dalton has a gun to our head. That's why we're doing this. Help us. Help us. <laughs> Freddy Krueger, <laughs> Oprah has a turtle farm. <laughs> so another thing that was brought back from the old days was singing on the show. You better believe it. I, I hate you all so much. I'm going to go to you first, Dalton Stewart. Are you fired up this week in pop culture? No, no. I mean, there's nothing like super exciting happening right now. <laughs> Why are we even oh, doing this? Well, well, there's nothing in the larger pop culture world that I'm like super jazzed about. Just some stuff that I, I'm consuming right now that I'm really enjoying. Uh, I'm finally catching up with Catastrophe. Uh, and I mentioned that on a People's History of Film episode we recorded a while back. But it's that's the uh, BBC show that's on Amazon Prime. I think it's BBC. Uh, wherever it airs in the UK, it's on Amazon Prime here in the States. Uh, and that's a written, uh, created, and starring uh, one of my very favorite stand-up comedians, Rob Delaney, and a very funny Irish uh, performer, uh, Shannon Hogan. Uh, it's about uh, an American man and an Irish woman who get each other knocked Well, <laughs> not each other knocked up. He knocks her up. That's how it works. Uh, that is how it works. Uh, and then they decide to make a go of having a life together. Uh, and then in the second season, again, this being a British show, um, there are six episode seasons. And usually, uh, because there's, uh, it seems like with British shows, there's usually a two to three year break between seasons. Uh, they do a time jump between the seasons, uh, even though there wasn't a long break. And now they're knocked up again, uh, expecting a second <laughs> one. And they're, they're 
first child's like two or three at this point. So uh, I'm, I'm halfway through the second season at this point. It's just a really good show. I think it's a, it says a lot about human relationships and having children. And uh, the, the chemistry that uh, Delaney and Hogan have is really just adorable and snarky, and I really like that. Uh, I've also uh, been playing Tropico 5, which is a, uh, a city simulator that was free on the PlayStation Network this month, um, where you, you, you become the Caribbean dictator. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I, I like uh, building uh, cities, uh, and I don't play uh, computer games like I did uh, when I was a youth. So having a console game where I get to build a city and uh, try to keep the people happy is, is a lot of fun for me. Uh, last but not least, I recently watched The Hunted, starring Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio Del Toro, and it was almost the movie I recommended for this uh, original Good Trash Genre cast crew. Um, That's a dumb movie. Yeah, that's a it's lot. Goofy. It's goofy it's as fun. hell. Uh, I can't believe William Friedkin directed it. Yeah, it's uh, weird. But it has a dope knife fight at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's fun. You should check it out. Yep. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, are you fired up this week? I got a couple things. As of uh, recording this, I am in the last episode of Jessica Jones. Oh, it's so good, right? Oh, it is. It is so intense. It took you a while to catch up with that one. It did. I, I was putting it off. I. I guess a few months. It came out late last year. Is that right? Yeah, it was like November, I think. Yeah. So I, I finally got around to it. I heard a lot of good buzz. Uh, overall, I've enjoyed it more, probably more so than the first season of Daredevil. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, there are things that both do right and the others do wrong. I like a lot of the action and some of the character development from Daredevil more. Uh, but the overall storytelling and narrative and juggling uh, subplots, I think, is uh, paid off a lot better in uh, Jessica Jones. Yeah, they're way better with their B plots. Yeah, they are. And, and so I, I re- appreciate that. I think it's a super solid show. Uh, Kristen Ritter's great. Uh, the gentleman that plays Luke Cage, I can't think of his name, is great. Oh, he's so good. I can't think of his name either for some reason, uh, but he's awesome. Yeah, I'm he's so looking forward to his show. David Tennant's killing it as uh, Kilgrave. And so I, I think it's a lot of fun. The other thing is uh, I've been seeing some set photos and promotional photos for the new Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie from 2017. <laughs> Uh, a property very, very near and dear to my heart uh, because that is something I went home every day after school in third and fourth, fifth grade and watched uh, every afternoon. You fetus. And so, you know, I'm seeing a lot of negative backlash. And really what this has taught me is that nerds have yet to learn to uh, not jump to ex- uh, to not jump to conclusions. Uh, they just they just won't have it. If anything is not however they pictured it, they throw a fit. Uh, but you know what? Spandex suits would look stupid in 2017, and I'm just, just going to roll with it. Internet culture is so infuriating it is. sometimes. Uh, and I think Elizabeth Banks looks bomb as Rita Repulsa and kind of sexy in her green jade outfit. I haven't I'll, seen I've it. Go I'm on. all in. Yeah, I've yeah. Got, I'll, I'll be Elizabeth all in. Banks, yeah, that's yeah, all I'm you all need to say. In. And so, you know, she's, she's a great actress, and so I appreciate that. So I am going to wait uh, before I trash the movie. It sh- probably will be schlock, but uh, you know what? I'm going to go watch it, and the kid inside of me will be cheering. Uh, just like that kid will be cheering when I see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 uh, in a few weeks. Isn't the guy that directed uh, those uh, Mortal Kombat uh Web series is directing this. Oh, really? I think so. If so no, I'm... never mind. He he uh, released like a, like a, a oh short, the short film, yeah, the short I film that. that was like yeah, his yeah. pitch for it, yeah. which was really silly. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. So, because this is sort of a reunion episode, a reuniting, a recommittal, a uh, perhaps renewal of Renewed vows. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I have something old, something new, something borrowed, yeah. something blue. No, ma- no matter what happens to the kids, the three of us will always stay together. That's right. Actually, I'd only have something old and something new. What did you do to Papa Smurf? I, um, you don't want to know. <laughs> what, did, what did you do with that thing? I Why is you? your tongue blue? <laughs> Did you use it on Papa Smurf, the thing, that, the thing you borrowed from me? <laughs> Moving right along. I hope not. <laughs> Something old It's hard to get that this. octopus back in his tank. <laughs> focus. Focus, gentlemen. Focus. Never. That's also a throwback. Um, what I want to talk about is something old is um, I've been doing a lot of research in um, 40s and 30s and a little bit into the 50s uh, studio era film. And I have this vague theory that the extreme styles in the studio era required extreme faces. And I've been watching lots and lots of Peter Lorre films. And I am really, really excited about Peter Lorre, The Beast with Five Fingers. Um, I'm excited about you too, Dustin. <laughs> yes, Rick, Rick, help me. Rick. Rick, help me. <laughs> um, and so I just want to just turn the dear listener to IMDb and check out Peter Lorre's filmography and watch all the movies that. They can because the dude fucking worked, man. Yeah. yeah, he did. 
and there's a lot of great stuff out there. I mean, top three Lori recommendations go. Uh, M. Um, also Casablanca because obvious. Obvious. And then I'm gonna go with the Beast with Five Fingers. Okay. Because it's sort of weird. His, My dad it, loves that movie. There you it, go, dear listener. The the the, the, ca- the subjective camera that Robert Flora yeah. uses in that film is kind of brilliant. I'm just saying. Yeah. So um, that's the something old, something new. I'm looking at is I've become a little obsessed with contemporary French cinema because of the course I took at uh, in my PhD program two semesters ago. And it's Dustin. And it's Dustin. And uh, Francois Ozone has got several short films available right now on Netflix. Or not Netflix, excuse me, Amazon Prime. And uh, and so uh, bed scenes and other films, they're all there in my queue. Dalton, you've got my account, so you can find my watch list. Ozone? As in layer? Correct. Okay. Um, I'm excited to check in these things out over the course of the summer because I'm off from schoolwork, and that makes my heart very, very happy. I did check out another contemporary French film, Mia Hansen Loves uh, Eden. She is the director of Goodbye First Love, which is one of the most fantastic movies I've ever seen in the history of my life. I love it very, very much. I Eden I don't like quite as much, but it's about the rise of uh, Daft Punk and Cheers and a couple of the other uh, sort of uh, – uh, EDM uh, music scene uh, bands of Why didn't you tell 90s. me it was an EDM documentary? You it's, said Cheers. In it's the not e- a documentary. It's sort of a biopic, but not really. I, I wish you had told me that. I'm in. You mentioned Cheers in the group message, and I thought you were referring to the 1980s sitcom. I also did. They took the name from the, um, the, the sitcom, the so yeah, that's fair. It's excellent, and it's worth your time, so do, do check it out if you get a chance. Have you caught up with Sleepless Night? What? Yeah, you're not doing for contemporary French cinema then, man. I'm failing clearly. Thank you very much. It's the, for French, that. It's the French taken. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. That's all it is. <laughs> Thank you for that. You need to watch it. It's like it's probably um, produced by Luc Besson. No, it's not actually. Okay. It's, it's Isn't pretty... Luc Besson's taken the French take? <laughs> that's a very good point. Uh, th- this is a much more explicitly French film <laughs> because taken is French. Yeah. Uh, moving right along, though, uh, that's what I'm fired up about, dear listener. We hope that you are also equally fired up because uh, if you give us those fired up recommendations and things right now, it'll be your only opportunity because we don't do this anymore. We're only doing this because it's a reunion show. Oh. So there you go, and there you have with that. It's time to move on to the AB seventeen hundred randomizer and uh, find out what next week's film is going to be. Come on, Troll Two! You son of a bitch! Did you really put Troll Two in there? Oh, I don't know. I'm so mad. You'll I want to die on the inside. Dalton will be happy. So will Arthur. Oh, what are we watching? It's going to be Looper. Oh fuck yes! I'm so excited to make you watch this again. I was massively <laughs> unimpressed. Do you remember that was the first fight, one of the first fights we had on the show, right? Yeah. yeah season one. Yeah. All right. So I'm there excited. you go. Looper's going to happen. I think listener. you're going to like it, man. Well, it's a good timing. You know, Ryan Johnson's getting ready to direct, or is, is getting ready to wrap production on Star Wars Episode Eight, at least uh, uh, principal photography. So it's a good time to revisit it. And Dustin, maybe you'll uh, appreciate it more yeah. this time around. I guess chance. the thing I always say is kind of appropriate. Movies are much more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. It's about the conversation, even if the movies stink. And therefore, the it's conversations was makes watching the movies so worthwhile. So take a look at Looper. Take a look at Rounders. Take a look at anything and have that conversation. And we'll see you all next time. The Good Trash Genre Cast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandro Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Tick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.